You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. We're going back to basics tonight, but it's incredible how as you go through your life, the basics are the first things, the foundations are the first things that we forget or we neglect. But I wanted to ask a question tonight with the tent meeting that we have scheduled coming up soon. We've been praying for it. I, I hope that you have. I trust that you have. You know, no, no revival in scripture, no revival in history has ever happened without prayer. And we must pray. And we've been excited, we've been inviting people, and we should be inviting people. We're going to be working extra this weekend uh, to prepare, and I hope that you are ready for that. But when the days actually come, starting on Sunday, here's my question. What is our part in revival? We call it a revival. Of course, we, we know if, if revival is going to come, God must send it. There is no other way that it can come. But God doesn't just send revival randomly. He certainly has a part in revival that we can never do, but we have a part as well. And we can be sure tonight that God desires to send revival, but my question is, do we desire revival? This message before. You've read this passage before. But again, we're, just, we're going back to basics. Now, I'm not going to be... I just want to remind us of a couple things and, and four things. And what I want to do is I want to spend some extra time in prayer tonight as a church. Church, as long as we can find a way to live without revival, God will not send it. But if we're ever going to reach Corpus Christi, this great city that the Lord has given to us and several other churches in the area, if we're ever going to reach this city, we're going to need revival. And I guess if I had to start off my message in, in some specific way, I would start it by saying we need to admit that need. We have to come to that position where we understand individually, I'm not talking about corporately, individually, that we need revival. Are there no areas in our life where we can do better? Is there no area that was once alive in our life that has died? Is there anything spiritual in our life that was once burning that is now just smoldering? And I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to Christians on a Wednesday night. But are there no areas where you've lost direction? Have you lost any desire for God that you once had? Maybe it was a desire to do better in prayer. Maybe it lasted for a few days or a week or maybe even a month, but has it died out? Maybe it was a desire to read your Bible and really to delve deeply into it. Has that gone out? Maybe it was a desire for soul winning. And not just on Saturdays, but, but every single day I want to I look for one person. Lord, let me give a track to one person. Let me start a conversation with one person. You realize how many people are searching right now. On Sunday night, I went to Chicken Express, and I pull up to that first, to that window, and a guy answers, and he's got bright pink hair. 
bright pink hair. And I just started laughing. And I wasn't trying to be rude. I just, he, he was in a good mood, and you know, I was in a good mood. I'm at Chicken Express. What, you know, what can't be good about it? And I pointed at him, and I said, what, what if I had your hair color? What do you think? And he laughed at me, and he said no. And I ended up inviting him to the revival. And uh, you could hear all the guys in the back laughing like he wasn't going to go. And he heard them, and he looked back at them, and he looked back at me, and he said, you know what? I'm coming. I said, that's great. I said, but don't get mad at me when I preach at you. And he said, no, 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 you better. I need it. And I said, I'm going to be looking for you, and I won't miss you either. <laughs> I said, I am going to be looking for you, and if you don't come, I know where to find you. And he said, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm going to be there. People are searching right now. A lot of times you, uh, I want you just to look around, and I don't want to be be irreverent or anything, but, but look around. Sometimes when you, when you are handing out tracts or you knock on a door or you go to the mall, there are some people, ooh, I want to invite them to church. And there are some people you're thinking, they will never come to church. <laughs> There's no way. Well, let me ask you this. If you met some of the men here just walking around, before they were saved, right now they're all done up, they're in a suit, they're in a tie, they're smiling because Jesus is in their life. Imagine what they were like before Jesus was there. But somebody... Somebody looked beyond that and went to them. Somebody looked beyond that and went to you and invited you to church. And now your life has been forever changed. And we need to have that desire. Well, have you lost that desire to soul win? Have you lost that desire maybe for, for sacrifice, for sacrificial giving, for sacrificial service? Have you, have you lost that? Well, then you need revival. Now, we are slow to admit our needs. We are proud creatures. But until we admit how much we need God to revive us again, we will never have revival. It's like men who are lost while driving the car. We're not going to admit that. We will live in denial. We will drive off the edge of the earth before we admit that we are lost. But at some point, we are going to need to admit it. Until we admit we are lost, we are never going to find our way back. And we will live without revival until we admit that we need it. But then we need to go further than that, and we have to act upon that need. And that is what this message is about. Sir, once we admit we're lost, we have to go further than that, and then we have to ask for directions. And that's why men do not admit we're lost, because we know admitting you're lost is only the first step. Then you have to humble yourself and ask for directions. And when you need directions, it's incredible. There are no men around. You have to ask from a lady. And I think that is the Lord humbling us even more. But I am persuaded that we do not admit we need revival because we know that's only the first step. If we truly admit that we need revival, then we need to act upon that need. We need to do something about it. And that's why revival is inconvenient. And I said that to our Sunday school not, not too long ago, maybe a month ago. We say, Lord, send revival. Do you realize how inconvenient revival would be to your life? How much your schedule would need to change? How much your priorities would need to shift? How much you would have to stop caring about what the world has to offer? How much sacrifice would need to come? You know, a lot of Christians were comfortable with service, but we never sacrifice. Sacrifice is always service, but not all service is sacrifice. May I remind us, 
we are supposed to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And then Luke chapter, I can't remember where it is, says if we do what is expected of us, we are unprofitable servants. We need revival. What we have in Nehemiah chapter 8, let me, let me stop before I even go further. I, I, we have seen some incredible things this year. We've seen God work in incredible ways. And I don't want you sitting out there thinking, does he not see that we've seen some amazing victories? The young man that was led to the Lord at, on Saturday, that was our 50th soul since, since last September, our 50th soul that the Lord has brought to us. The two that were baptized on Sunday, our 14th and 15th baptisms. We've seen almost 40 people join the church. That's incredible. That's of the Lord. There's no way we could do that on our own. And don't we pray for that? Lord, bless in such a way where only you can get the glory. But I hope we're not satisfied. I hope we're not okay just to maintain. I hope that we see in any area where we can say, I am not as far as I should be or I am not as far as I used to be, then we need revival. And God, we need God to send it. And what we have in Nehemiah chapter 8 is people who received a revival from God. Now, revival isn't jumping and screaming and acting a fool. Revival isn't thousands of souls saved. Now, salvation is an effect of revival. But you can't revive something that's never been alive before. Revival is for Christians and the best definition that I have heard, and I heard it in this pulpit from Pastor Jason Gaddis in Oklahoma, he said, you know what revival is? Revival is normal Christianity. That's what revival is. Just Christians doing what we are supposed to do. Corpus Christi could be nothing but greatly affected with a good old dose of normal Christianity. Wouldn't it be amazing if Corpus Christi was filled with Corpus Christians? who actually believed and just followed and obeyed the Bible, well, that's going to have to start from Christians. All we have to do to be in need of a revival is to stray from normal Christianity. The moment we get away from normal Christianity, we need revival. And church, I want to see God move in our midst. I want to see him do something great. We have already seen him work in incredible ways. But I want to see him do something more. There are 300,000 people here. We're planning a tent meeting for this week. There's another church in the area that's having at the movies. And I was reading through the comments. And all their members were, come and join me. Sit next to me. As we watch Star Wars, come and sit next to me. Come with me. Where are we? Why don't, we, why don't you come sit next to me when we hear the truth? When the, when the word of God is preached from the book, not a movie. I don't care that there are morals in a movie. In fact, most of the morals you find are actually the immorals, and you have to learn the opposite way. Church, that's what's out here. That's what people are, that's what people are exposed to.
I want to see God do something incredible. You know, he is still in the revival sending business. He is still in the prayer answering business. He's still in the giant killing business. He's still in the, sa- the soul saving business. He's still in the heart changing business. And as he revived the hearts of these people, he can revive us as well. So I just want us to do everything we can to be ready. Let's be ready. Let's have our hearts prepared. For next week? No, tonight. Tonight. I'm not asking for God to send revival next week. I'm asking for him to send it tonight. I'm not asking for us to prepare our hearts for next week. I'm asking for us to prepare our hearts tonight. I must hurry because I want to get to pray. Here's how we can do that. Verse 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. What is our part in revival? Come. Come. Be here. And again, I know who I'm talking to, but next week, be here for every service. Do everything you can to be here. That is the least that we can do. Now, I know that we will be tired. I know that we may have to switch some schedules around, but come. Do everything you can. It may be hot. It may be humid. It may be buggy. It may be windy. It may be all those things, but it will be worth it. What if God meets with us that week and you missed it? The story that I always remember, do you remember when Jesus appeared to the disciples after he resurrected in John chapter 20? And the Bible says that when he appeared to the disciples, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were were joyful when they saw the Lord. And then a couple verses later, it says, but Thomas, who was one of the 12 named Didymus, was not with the disciples when Jesus showed himself to them. So then a little later, When the disciples are saying, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. He's alive. He's risen. We've seen his hands and we've seen his side. He's alive indeed. What does Thomas say? Except I see his hands and except I put my hand in the the print of the nails and I thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. You know what he's saying? I want to see what you saw. And until I see what you saw, I will not believe. All right, well, Thomas, where were you? Where were you? Your place was with the 12. Where were you? Can you think back to a church service that changed your life? What if you hadn't been there that day? Now Thomas, through Jesus' mercy, does get to see it. But what is he known for now? For the rest of his life. He missed it. And I know it's not as simple as just calling into work. I'm not coming. And I know there are deadlines and schedules and things out of our control, but church, let's come. We're inviting others. Let's determine to be here ourselves. It may take some sacrifice on our part, but that is our part. And when you sacrifice, you cannot outgive God. God sees, God sees when his children go out of their way. I would not embarrass them, but Brother Scott and Miss Maria, you know what next week is for them? It's their their wedding anniversary. And he didn't come up to me to to get praise or anything, but he said, you know, it's our wedding anniversary. We were planning on going away, but we didn't want to miss the tent meeting, so we postponed it. The Lord sees that, and the Lord will bless. And it does your pastor's heart good, too. Number two, come ready to listen. Look in verse three. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. I know I preached long, but I do not preach from morning until midday. 
before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Do we believe that in each message, God wants to speak to us individually? I would say confidently that the, more, the majority of the time that we go to a church service and we don't get anything out of it, it is not because the Lord is not speaking. It is because we are not listening. Hebrews 5 talks about how the Lord has so much to say, but he can't because we are dull of hearing. Now, even indoors, there are distractions. Imagine outdoors. There will be distractions. We are going to need to be purposefully attentive. If you would like to hear some stories, I can tell you stories from growing up doing tent revivals up north. And some of the things that I heard and some of the things that I saw would blow your mind. Some incredible stories. We are going to need to be attentive. We must come ready to listen. But God wants to speak to us. And again, I'm not just talking about next week. I'm talking about tonight. Open up our hearts. Open up our ears. And the thing is, whenever God wants to speak, the devil wants to speak too. And the, the Lord wants to speak to us about spiritual things. The devil is going to want to speak to us about carnal things. The Lord is going to, going to want to tell us what he wants. The devil is going to want to tell us and remind us what the boss wants tomorrow. And the Lord wants to talk to us about the Bible. And the devil wants to talk to us about deadlines and dinner. And the Lord wants us to focus about the service. The devil wants us to focus on dismissal. And we're going to have to choose who we're going to listen to. But come ready to listen. Look in verse 4 through 6. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had, which they had made for the purpose. And skip down to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Come with the right mindset. So come, that's the first step. Come ready to listen. Come with the right mindset. Why do we come? Why do we come ready to listen? Because we have a visiting evangelist? No. Because it's a special meeting? No. Because the pastor is preaching? No but because God's word is being opened. That's why we come, and that's why we are attentive. And that is why we need to have the right mindset. Who cares what I have to say? Who cares what any man has to say? You all have much more life experience than I do, but we come to hear from God's word. We want to know what God has to say. And do you see the reverence that these people had for God's word? When he opens the book in front of them, they all stood up. And we're going to start doing that here at our church. If you are physically able, whenever we read God's word before the service, we are going to start standing for it. Because they had reverence for God's word. And I don't think this was some formality in their service. And I don't want it to become a formality in our service either. I don't think Ezra had to tell them we need to stand up. I honestly think they were gathered there in that street. Maybe some of them had sat down. And as soon as they saw Ezra come up and he opened that book, they stood because they didn't want to miss anything. And they knew it was God's word that was being opened. It doesn't matter who's preaching. doesn't matter how long they've been preaching. doesn't matter how many people they're preaching to. When this book is opened, God is speaking. And we need to listen. It is a gift of immeasurable value that God gave us his holy word to learn from. Is he not worthy of our attention? Is he not worthy of our worship? Is he not worthy of our praise and our respect? Woe be unto any preacher that stands behind a pulpit of wood and preaches, thus saith myself. 
But woe be unto any congregation who doesn't give reverence when the preacher is saying, thus saith the Lord. So be sure we come to listen to God's word, but I, I want to say this again to the Wednesday night crowd preaching to the choir. Be sure when we're here that we make sure others can hear as well. We may hear a message that we've already heard, but it's still God's word and it is still powerful no matter how often we have heard it or how many times we have heard it. But there are going to be some people here that I've never heard. And I, I beg you to watch for them. Share your Bible with them. We're going to have Bibles and we're going to have stacks of them so that we can hand them out, ushers that we can hand them out to the visitors so that everybody has a Bible. Make sure that you share a Bible with them. Say amen so that they don't think there's just some crazy, crazy Asian up there screaming about something. But say amen so that people know, know what he's saying must be true. It is true. Now don't amen me if I don't deserve it. I'll work for it. Brother Rusty will work for it. Brother Chacon, he's going to have to work for it. But if it's true, let's support the preacher. Make people feel welcome. So come, come ready to listen. Come with the right mindset. And last one, come ready to change. Look in verse 7. I should have had Brother Rusty read this verse. Also, Joshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathiah, Hadijah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Paliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's what good preaching should do. That's what a good Sunday school lesson should do. That's what a good family devotion should do. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, or the leader, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, notice this, this day is holy unto the Lord, mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. We cannot admit that we need revival without admitting that we need to change. Is our heart perfect with God? Is there no area in which we can be closer to him? Do we read too much Bible? Do we pray too often? Do we witness to too many people? Are we not at this moment focusing on some winds and waves that are crashing instead of keeping our eyes on the master of the sea? Are there no Bible verses that can be read to us that would make tears flow from the very eyes that we have taken off of Jesus? Is there no area in which we need revival? Are you not tired of being stirred but not being changed? Are we not tired of coming to church and having our hearts pricked but never our hearts changed? When's the last time we cried because we saw our life didn't match the Bible? The Bible says that it's like a mirror. It's a mirror that shows us how we really are. I remember in high school and college, my face became a human zit factory. I had blind people coming up and trying to read my face. It was so bad, I stopped looking in the mirror. I didn't want to see it. But it didn't change the fact that it was pretty and Miss Tracy still fell in love with me. I want to say that. 
Church, I know that you read your Bible. I hope that we read our Bible, but you know there are some people, instead of changing, they just stop looking in the mirror. Or they justify what they see in the mirror. If we were invited to a dinner tonight with the president, we would make, every, we would make sure everything is just so. We would wear our best outfit. We would make sure our hair is slicked back, done up. How long would we spend in front of a mirror to make sure that we were ready to meet the president? All right, church. If Jesus were to come right now, would you like the way you look? We are the bride of Christ. Honey, how long did you take to get ready on our wedding day? We got married, I think, one in the afternoon. It was too late in the afternoon, whatever it was. We should have got married at five in the morning. She says an hour and a half. I think it was longer than that. But there was a lot of preparation that went into it. And ladies were all around. She, wanted, she was the bride. She wanted to look good that day. We are the bride of Christ. Are we going to let an earthly bride spend more time in the mirror to get ready for a day that, be honest, you don't even remember most of it, <laughs> then we are going to spend in his word to get ready for his coming? There's 24 hours in a day. I would guess we don't spend near a tithe of that day in reading our Bible and prayer. The groom has promised to come again, and we're not ready. We're not ready. There are so many areas we can do better, so many sins and weights we refuse to lay aside. And these people so long ago, they wept when they heard God's word because they saw how much they needed to change. But I love what Ezra and Nehemiah said to them, mourn not, nor weep. You came to church tonight not knowing what I was going to preach. You came to church tonight, I believe, hoping that the Lord would speak to your heart, and I trust that he is. And that he's pointing out areas in all of our lives that we do need to change. If the Lord came over to our house tonight, would we be ashamed of him finding anything? If he looked through our movie drawer, if he looked through our Netflix queue, our watch list, our computers, our phones, would we be ashamed of anything? If he looked through our Spotify playlist, would he be ashamed of anything? Are there areas in our life that we have justified that we no longer see a problem with? TV shows that we watch, music that we listen to, programs that we listen to, radio shows that we listen to, that we would be ashamed to watch or listen to if the Lord was there with us? He is there with you. His eyes run to and fro, beholding the evil and the good. But we came tonight not knowing what to expect. But earlier today, we were joyful. We smiled about things. We laughed about things. We fellowshiped about things. I saw you all laughing and smiling earlier before the service. If we can find a way to be joyful, while there are areas that we need to change, 
that we have been so wicked and sinful we haven't even thought about? Could we not be even more joyful now that the Lord has put his finger on something and said that is what needs to change? Could we not be even more joyful now that the Lord has spoken to us? Is that not the first step toward revival? To say, all to Jesus I surrender? Our theme song for the year? No turning back, no turning back? Do we mean that? Have we given everything? If he has pointed out an area in your life, the Lord doesn't point out our sin to discourage us. He points it out so that we will change, so that we can understand what true joy really is. He doesn't point out our sin to to kill our spirit. He points out our sin to kill our flesh so that our spirit can be revived again. And when these people come in from Corpus Christi next week, I want them to see a church that is ready, that has prepared their heart, that has been prepared since the Wednesday before to hear and to serve and to love, and to grow for our Savior in ways that we have gotten away from, wherever they may be. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.